is sort of an emergency. This is Believe One Podcast. Um, sort of planned, sort of not planned, just kind of a pending podcast, let's put it that way. But I am joined by Tim Ryder as we are discussing the blockbuster trade between the Cleveland Baseball Club and the New York Mets, which sends Frankie Lindor and Carlos Carrasco to Queens. Welcome, Tim. James, thanks so much for having me, pal. Now, this is something we've discussed before. Uh, uh, two players coming from Cleveland to go into the Mets that we've discussed before. And it happened. How, how are you feeling right now as you know, someone who's a Mets fan and covers the Mets? Uh, you know, I got to say, it's a banner day uh, for this new regime in Flushing. Um, you know, I you can tell that they've been kind of working at their options and kind of making their their moves uh, behind the curtain this winter. The fan base has gotten a little bit um, antsy, kind of <laughs> waiting for for various shoes to drop. And uh, yeah, this news on on uh, Thursday just uh, couldn't have come at a at a better time. Uh, I think we all needed a little pick me up. And uh, yeah, this is uh, it's huge. I mean, this arguably puts the Mets over the top. And, um, you know, they gave up some solid players. But, uh, you know, for a move like this, anything is a is really a worthy sacrifice. Yeah, so the Mets are sending Ahmed Rosario, uh, Andres Jimenez, uh, Josh Wolf, and Isaiah Green. Now, can you give me a little bit of a better perception about, or, you know, some more information about, you know, guys like Wolf and Green and maybe uh, Jimenez? Because, you know, I know about Ahmed Rosario, but, you know, the limited sample size last year for, you know, for Jimenez. So give me a, a better idea of what Cleveland's getting. All right. Well, you know, and, and a guy like Andres Jimenez, uh, a very, very well-rounded player, um, uh, terrific glove. He can play multiple infield positions. Uh, if you saw him play last year, uh, or if you even just take a look at his stat line, uh, he was really able to kind of translate his minor league success to the majors. Um, again, very small sample size, but uh, this has been a long time coming for Jimenez. Uh, he was uh, a bubbling prospect uh, in 2019, got hit on the hand by a pitch, um, kind of threw him off. He had a tough time getting back on track, but once he did, he ended up uh, with the highest batting average and highest OPS in the Arizona Fall League that season. So, uh, really, tons of potential there. Um, again, uh, you got to see a little bit of what he brings to the table last year. Uh, I want to say he was one of the more – I don't have the numbers in front of me. Um, one, of the, one of the, I guess, better defensive metrics on the Mets last season. Uh, really just a well, well-rounded player. Um, yeah, I think you guys are going to really enjoy what you have in, in Jimenez. Uh, Josh Wolf was the Mets' second-round draft pick in 2019, uh, right-hander. Um, there were, I guess, whispers that the Mets weren't really that that high on what they saw out of him. But again, they take that with a grain of salt because he really hasn't faced uh, uh, many. Uh, I guess he hasn't had much live action. So uh, there are lots of potential there. They wouldn't have taken him so high in the draft. Uh, this is a guy that I was personally keeping an eye on. I was pretty excited between him and Matthew Allen, who the Mets did hold on to. So uh, Josh Wolf, I, I would estimate like a 2023, 2024 mm -hmm. kind of making his way. That might be on a, on a faster track in Cleveland. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But uh, lots of potential there. 
And Isaiah Green. Isaiah Green, this is a potential five-tool player. Uh, outfielder, center fielder. Uh, Mets brass seems to think that he has power coming. Um, they like his swing a lot. Uh, extremely athletic. Uh, will still be, well, excuse me, will steal some bases. Um, again, this is someone that, you know, covering the Mets, uh, we were all pretty high on him. We were all very excited by the draft pick. But uh, in a situation like this, when you can pick up a superstar like Frankie Lindor, um, you know, you have to give to get. And, um, you know, I, I will credit Jared Porter, the Mets' new GM, for, for not, uh, I guess, not overspending. You know, he gave away some solid, solid prospects and two major league-ready players in Rosario and Jimenez. But, uh, you know, for Carrasco and Lindor, this is um, – it's bordering on a steal. Of course, we'll take a look back in a few seasons, mm-hmm. see how the uh, see how the the return pans out for Cleveland. But this is a, uh, I guess, back to our original point. Very exciting day for for Mets fans. So I've seen various, um, I guess, people putting their inputs on, on the trade for what the the Mets gave up. I've seen people saying. You know, they, they didn't give up that much and that, you know, people in Cleveland should be fired for accepting this trade. I've seen people saying that they gave up too much. Or, you know, I've seen a couple saying it's about just right. Are you kind of, where are you at on that spectrum? Um, you know, I certainly think that the Mets have better prospects than what they gave up. But, uh, you know, if Cleveland had their sights set on somebody, I know that they were interested in Wolf. Uh, before the Mets picked him up in 2019. Um, so, again, that seemed to be a, a, a shoe-in to be included. Um, you know, I, again, it's going to take some time. Granted, I, I you only have one year of control on Lindor. Mm-hmm. You had two, two seasons, three seasons on Carrasco. Um, you know, of course, if you're trading for Lindor with four or five years on him, uh, sure, the Mets would have paid out the nose. Probably couldn't even have afforded them uh, in 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 prospects or in uh, in value, I should say. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah, uh, I would I would say give it some time. I think that right now the Mets certainly come out look. They look like they're in the lead as far as winning this trade. But mm-hmm. you know, give it a couple of seasons. A guy like Wolf uh, or a guy like Green, if they make a real impact at the major league level. Um, that could really change the, uh, the put a new paint job on everything. And that, that's where I'm kind of you know looking at it. And you know when you look at these trades, it's it's not the short term return because the short term return is going to be 100 percent in favor of the Mets. Okay, if not 190 percent. Like if for some reason, you know, knock on wood, one of the guys they just acquired gets hurt, or uh, you know Rosario. You know, plays completely above what he's done. You know, previously, or you know, they get a breakout star and and Jimenez. It's more than likely going to early returns favor the Mets. But when you look at guys like Wolf, you look at guys like uh, Green. Th- those are the long plays. Those are the ones you sit there and you wait. And when you consider how much success Cleveland's had with their pitching, and that they already were interested in this pitcher to begin with. That's the person I have the least amount of concern with. It's because they're just going to put him in whatever pitching factory that they have and just churn out another 
hopefully turn out another excellent starting pitcher. Because it just seems like they just do it on a regular basis and just keep cycling them out. Yeah. I mean, ideally, you'd like to see, I guess, <laughs> the train just keep moving. And, um, you know, I, for a team like Cleveland, who's done so well mm-hmm. in recent years, um, jumping straight into the rebuilds, you know, one would have to assume they have their sights set on a certain type of player or, or certain types of players uh, to kind of fill the gaps in their system. And, you know, ideally, you'd like to time things out correctly where, you know, in a few years, you know, maybe Wolf will step in for a pitcher who's outgoing or, mm-hmm. or maybe Green will step in for a center fielder who's outgoing. Um, I think immediately, I mean, I know I'll, I'll probably I'll have to ask you about this, but I assume that Jimenez and Rosario are going to be your starting second baseman and shortstop respectively, right? They should be. Um, they have other prospects that they've acquired. There's other players still in the system. But there's no reason that those two should not be the starting middle infielders on opening day. Um, there's an attachment a lot of people have for, for Yu Chang, but Yu Chang's just not good. Let's let's just be real here. Um, they've continued to explore other options for a reason, and it's not because they're overlooking some hidden superstar in Yu Chang. It's just that he's not good. Um, so... Hopefully, it should be Rosario and Jimenez uh, at opening day uh, as the starting middle infield. Unless they are going to play games with Jimenez and all that other crap, which you know that Cleveland's not a stranger to doing that. Oh, sure. Just the manipulation of service time, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I think that Cleveland fans are going to be really excited by Ahmed Rosario. I mean, he had a very, very tough go last season, but... In 2019, he broke out, and he broke out in a very serious way. Um, Second half of the season, I believe he led major leagues in singles, was third in hits overall. Mm -hmm. Um, Really just blossomed into the player that I know the Mets have been very high on him. This is going back to when he was signed as a 16-year-old. But, um, you know, if he could step back into that, I guess back into that groove, because I guess from the middle of 2018 through 2019, he was a well above average offensive player. Uh, defensively, he's got, you know, all the talent in the world. He just kind of needs to put it together. Uh, he was working with Mets coaches on his footwork and timing, um, I guess, uh, setting up before the pitch, taking that first step out of his position if a ball is hit in his direction. Mm-hmm. And, and he seemed to really start making strides. Because, again, coming up as a prospect, he was a very, very highly regarded. Uh, he was supposed to be gold glove caliber defense. And we've seen flashes of it, but uh, it really hasn't been as billed. Mm-hmm. But uh, he's a hard worker, and, and, you know, I know there's going to be a large contingent of Mets fans that, you know, Jimenez and Rosario are going to have permanent fans in, in most of us. And uh, we'll, we'll be rooting for, the, for Cleveland's middle infield for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, and maybe, I'm not going to say their offense is going to get significantly better, but the the approaches to the plate are significantly different from Rosario in Lindor. And perhaps a different approach from Rosario gives the offense in Cleveland a little bit more life, a little bit more consistency. Because a lot of the players that Cleveland had did the exact same thing. Like, I love Frankie Lindor. I always will. 
But there were times where it's just like, okay, well, we got three guys that they're either going to hit a home run or strike out or walk. And while advanced metrics and everything says those are great, sometimes it's really hard baseball to watch. And sometimes it's it's just kind of like, okay, uh, three long flyouts. That was a fun inning. Someone gets on with a single, (laughs) you know. Maybe gets a little thing. Maybe gets a little thing going. You know what I mean? It's just. It's sometimes it can be a little, just like okay, that was awesome. Next inning. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know you'll see that through from Rosario. You'll see that clutch hitting from time to time. Um, you're going to see a lot of line drives when he's hot. You'll know it because mm-hmm. he's hitting line drives and he's taking them to the gap. And uh, boy, once he if he's turning first at full speed, this dude flies like he's. He can be a game changer when he's on top of his game. And, you know, people have to remember, I know Mets fans kind of overlook the fact that he's he's still young. He's turning 24 this season. Mm-hmm. I believe maybe, I'm sorry, he just turned 24 in November. Um, oh, I hope I got that right. I kind of just pulled that out of thin air. <laughs> uh, you know, he, he, you know, really, I, I'm pretty sure it was November, but I could be wrong. Uh, anyway, so yeah. he November just, 20th, he turned 25. Right Twenty-five. Oh, Twenty-five, yeah, November twentieth. <laughs> so you know you have. He, he's not really a high on base on base percentage type guy. His his plate discipline and patience at the plate is certainly not his strong suit. Mm-hmm. But boy, he's got such a a, a level, um, just a, a a powerful swing. Mm-hmm. You know he hits lasers, and it's it's going to be. Um, He's going to be the guy to kind of get things going, and he's speed on the base. Uh, excuse me, speed on the base paths. It's it's really it's going to be. Um, I, I I'm hoping that Cleveland fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with what they get, and um, just I guess personally, I know every I guess a bit selfishly, I think we all want to see Rosario do well. He was supposed to uh, really take off, and excuse me, I'm kind of losing my voice right now. Oh, you're you good. Uh, cool. Um, yeah, he's going to be really be, uh, I really, I do. I hope he continues to blossom. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Like singles aren't sexy, but sometimes they're just, they're necessary. And if he just comes up and he's just like, I'm going to hit singles in the occasional one of the gap, no one's going to complain. No one is sure. We all want to see, you know, a two run home run or a three run homer, but no one's going to complain about guy just coming up smacking singles. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And um, he's got a lot of room to grow. And same with Jimenez. Mm -hmm. I think Jimenez, um, he might have played, I don't want to say above his capabilities last season, but as a new player in the league and pitchers maybe not having a book on him, um, I think he took advantage of that. And his talent certainly shone through or shined through, however you want to put it. (laughs) Uh, You have to kind of, I don't want to say take it with a grain of salt, but maybe expect a little bit of revert back to norm. Mm-hmm. But again, it, it, so much talent there that as he sees more major league pitching, he might just continue to adapt and grow and develop. And, uh, you know, in the long run, he might be the more talented player than Rosario, which he kind of showed last year, but um, you can't put a ton of water in, in a 50, 60 game stretch. So uh, again, I think you guys are really, really happy with, uh, with the return here. Granted, they're not Lindor, neither of them, but yeah. uh, you certainly got some talented players. 
And that's, you know, that's what they kind of have to do. And, you know, it, it's sort of how, how they have to operate. Uh, and people don't really like to hear that, but that's just how it is. <laughs> um, and let's be real, it, as long as this trade doesn't turn out as questionable as the trade to deal Corey Kluber last offseason was, uh, I think people will be certainly happy. <laughs> uh, you know, Delino DeShields and Emmanuel Classe being suspended for the whole year. Not really a great start for that trade. Um, but I think this one will work out better than that one did. Uh, on the Mets side of things, how's uh, how's everything uh, looking f- from your end? I mean, you guys now got a you know sw- switch hitting superstar shortstop, and you had another good pitcher to slide right into that rotation. Yeah. Oh, I think Carrasco. I mean, Lindor, of course, is huge. It just takes this offense over. There. This was the fifth best offense in baseball last year. Uh, and adding Lindor to that, I mean, forget about it. The possibilities are endless. But Cookie Carrasco uh, in the middle of this rotation, I mean, that's going to be such a godsend. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have your DeGrom, Stroman, eventually Syndergaard's going to be back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peterson's back there. You had Steve and Matt still kind of trying to, to, to stay afloat. Um, adding a guy like Carrasco is going to be such a plus for that roster. Uh, I know, you know, McCann, James McCann, who you guys are familiar with from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, this is like, he's a, he's a pitcher's catcher. And, uh, with the stuff that Carrasco brings to the table, I really think that, um, it's going to bring the best out of everybody. Uh, a few years ago when the Mets had that great rotation of like DeGrom, Wheeler, Harvey, and everyone was kind of on their game, Syndergaard. You almost had like an internal competition. Everyone tried to outdo each other. And mm-hmm. that's kind of how this, this rotation is kind of shaken out to be. Uh, I'd love to see him still kind of, I guess, check out the, the market, uh, add some some back rotation depth. Uh, you know, you really, you, me and you both know you can't get through a season on five starters or even mm-hmm. six starters. I'd love to see some more major league caliber depth. But, um, yeah, things are kind of coming together. I, I still... You know, I know John Heyman uh, noted on Thursday afternoon that the Mets still had their eyes on on Springer, despite mm-hmm. adding um, what's presumably going to be some some big dollars when they come and speak uh, uh, an extension for Lindor. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, uh, yeah, even if it's not a Springer, um, going after a guy like Jackie Bradley Jr., who, per Mike Mayer from Metsmerized, uh, the Mets have been in touch with, um, you know, you still get that solid defense up the middle. Of course, he's not the offensive player that Springer is, but, uh, you know, I think they could still make some moves. Personally, mm-hmm. I'd love to see them talk to uh, talk to Cincinnati about Luis Castillo and, uh, and Nick Senzel. Mm-hmm. Uh, Senzel appears to have been pushed out of center field by Shogo Akiyama. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he's a very, very talented, very young player. But if Cincinnati's willing to toss him in to maybe – add some more blue chips to their uh to their farm system I, that's a player that i'd be you know 100 percent in on that's a, um you know a very talented defensive player uh an extremely talented offensive player who once he kind of finds his rhythm at this level watch out he's going to be a, a perennial all-star in my opinion and i think something that cannot be overlooked by the acquisition of carrasco is seth lugo that keeps him in the pen right 
most likely. I know Lugo moved out of the pen um, to jump into the rotation last season and pitched very well. I know there was a lot of concern that he, you know, in the past he pitched uh, as a starter and hadn't had as much success as he had as a reliever. Uh, there was concern that he would kind of be tripped up because he's one of the best, one of the Mets' best relievers by far. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, he performed well. And again, if if need be, um, of course they can move him into the rotation. Uh, he's made his wishes known that he'd love to be a starting pitcher. But you know, the level of reliever that he is and the level of value he brings to a roster, you know, I get it. You want to be a starter, and sure, you're a very good starter, but. You're just too good of a reliever. And that's my opinion. But, uh, yeah, you have to assume that adding Carrasco and even going out and adding – yeah, I know they haven't been talking per reports, but uh, like a Jake Odorizzi, mm-hmm. um, bringing him on board. And that would kind of really solidify Lugo back to the pen. But, uh, yeah, you bring in Trevor May and <sighs> such a talented bullpen. I'd love to see another depth piece there, but – you know, it's getting to the point that they're almost there, and and this is it's shaking out to be a very very uh, intriguing roster, lots of talent. And let, let's discuss a, a rumor that popped up uh, shortly after the the Lindor trade happened. Uh, consider the source, Bob Nightingale. Uh, again, consider the source said that the Mets and Cubs were talking about Chris Bryant. Uh, that would be absolutely insane. <laughs> That would be nuts. You had, uh, you know, a recent National League MVP. And granted, he's coming off of a very, very tough season. Uh, dealt with uh, an oblique injury, I believe. But, you know, this is a guy who's not far removed from being one of the best players in the game. So, uh, yeah, that would be, um, that would just, you know, you turn into a super team at that point. Um, you know, I, and I don't want to knock Bob Nightingale. Uh, and, also, Metamorize is part of the USA Today sports family, so we certainly don't want to knock Bob Nightingale. But, um, yeah, I, I actually had an article probably right around the time the Cubs started uh, making it known that they were going to be selling off some of their players. That, mm. you know, this is a guy who, who would fit well. The Mets really don't have a, a third baseman. It's J.D. Davis. And, you know, his bat's great, but he's not a, uh, a, a an extremely gifted defensive player mm-hmm. and that's pretty much anywhere you stick him whether it's left field whether it's third base um his bat is what keeps him in the lineup mm-hmm. chris bryant uh that's the type of player that you can pretty much assure that jd davis will be on the bench because you know think about that pete alonzo francisco lindor jeff mcneil and chris bryant like mm-hmm. that's that's an all-star infield yeah um, that's, that would be an that would, that insane would signify infield. Oh my god, that would signify the Mets making a, a true push. Yeah, and, and to be clear, I'm not trying to knock Bob Nightingale. It's just uh, his track record on reports of him saying something in the complete opposite coming true. It's kind of humorous from my perspective. Oh, yeah. Not trying to knock him. It's he's just the always from the Fox Tale. <laughs> I forget his name, but he's the Jinx. It's like, <laughs> oh, he bet on that guy. Rip up the tickets. It's done. But uh, he, he has his moments. We all do. Yeah, it's uh, it's just it's it's him and uh, John Heyman are usually the two people that tweet something and people go, oh, the opposite's going to happen now, and it usually happens. <laughs> oh, Heyman! I grew up reading John Heyman. He wrote for New York Newsday for mm-hmm. for years, and that's that's our local newspaper. And um, yeah, John Heyman, he's a uh, you know, 
I will. I'll give him a label. He's a legend in this game. Do people dunk on him often? Sure. Do they have good reason to? Arguably, yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, John Heyman. He's a he's an OG, as we like to say. And uh, <laughs> I, I feel I feel bad giving him shit because he again. I grew up reading the guy, and for uh, for a, for a certain point in time, he was really um, outstanding. And that's fair. You know, everyone likes to give certain people a hard time once in a while, especially sometimes when they make it relatively easy to give them a hard time. And I feel Heyman does that to himself a lot, uh, especially where he was saying it took a lot of guts to turn in a, an empty Hall of Fame ballot the other day. Everybody just dunked on him the other day. Uh, when... at, at, at a certain point, you have to kind of guess that these guys are not trolling, but kind of saying outlandish shit just for the clicks. And I don't want to put that on just Heyman because a lot of prominent <clears throat> journalists do. Yeah. I just got into it with a Mets writer this week. Uh, <laughs> but uh, what's his name? Andy Martino from SNY. He finally oh, wow. blocked me. Oh, he I blocked just, you. All I did was point out. All I did was point out the fact he's still employed by the last people who own the Mets, the Wilpons. Yeah. They own SNY, so he's still employed by them. So I kindly put, and I politely did it. I just pointed out like, hey, the conflict of interest here kind of makes me say, yeah, let's not put a whole bunch of weight into what SNY says. And apparently that, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. He blocked me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I mean... At least you're, you have a better story for your random block story. Uh, I found out the other day I'm blocked by Rob Rickle on Twitter. Because uh, apparently five years ago or four years ago when the Browns were really bad and he was doing his NFL pregame thing and I didn't think his sketches were funny, I just went at Rob Rickle as not funny and completely forgot about it until like a month ago when Rob Rickle was tagged in something. I clicked on his name and it says you are blocked from this account. <laughs> <laughs> it's always it's always a fun surprise depending on who you're blocked by. I guess the day that I realized that I was blocked by Kurt Schilling, um, I, I, I like squealed. I was so excited. I said, ah, I showed my wife. And she's like, who the fuck is Kurt Schilling? I said, ah, oh, you're no fun. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's, it's, always, it's always a cool feeling to realize that you're blocked by somebody. You also have that heartbreak when you realize, oh, how am I blocked by so-and-so? I know, ah, uh, oh, who was it? Now I can't think of it. ODM Worldwide. What the hell? I'm sorry. I just got a call. Man. Oh, you're, you're all right. I ended it, but <laughs> yeah, that's ODM Worldwide. I'm actually, I'm, um, oh, sure. I'll tell, I'll tell our friends in Cleveland. I'm waiting to hear back about a job opportunity. I believe I, uh, I believe I got it, but. Oh. Just waiting to hear back. Yeah, that's not them. That was a bullshit call. Anyway. Uh, got it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i mean you know big day uh very big day um now what about the direction of the of cleveland like <clears throat> you know a, a rebuild was expected but you know there's a lot of talent on this team you think you're just selling off everything and and would it speed up the process if you think you're getting back you know high-end prospects for some of your guys well <laughs> I don't think it's a rebuild or it's a complete teardown that we've seen with certain teams like the Cubs or the Astros, because as we've seen, those two teams were the exceptions to the rule of how of how to build a team that way, because uh, largely that process doesn't work. 
I mean, those two teams won a World Series, but so many other teams tried it and haven't done anything. Um, and there, there is a lot of talent. The, the way I've, in my mind, as things sit now, I'm looking at this as kind of like a, a retool, a way to balance out the, the finances and overreaching that they've done over the past five years or so. As much as people hate to have the attendance conversation when it comes uh, to this team, uh, people don't show up to games on a regular basis. That matters, especially for a team in a small marketplace with a relatively bad TV deal. Um, so as they do get really good television ratings, they're usually like the top or top three TV rating getter. It doesn't really matter all that much, but looking from the you know the grand scheme of things, this off season would not be the ideal off season in order to do a teardown in that style, just because of the depressed market, because of the way that teams are handling things. Uh, I mean, Cleveland's not the only team that's shedding players' salary. The Cubs traded Yu Darvish a week ago. Uh, the The Rays traded Blake Snell. I mean, the Rays are the Rays, but and there's some more to it than that. But teams aren't just being, like, operating as normal. The Cubs are still looking to possibly trade Chris Bryant. So, and whatever they get might be pennies on the dollar of what they could have got a year ago. Maybe sort of how things went with Lindor this time around. So this offseason is not the best offseason to try and do a, a teardown, rebuild. It's... Retool, a reset. Um, they're definitely not going to compete for the division. But best case scenario, that 81-85 win mark on the high end. I think that's that's realistic. I th- You know, I like Francona. I really think that he'll, he gets the, the most out of his players. Mm-hmm. Um, granted, they're not going to have the same level of talent. But yeah, I think that 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 500 ballpark is probably a, um, it's probably a safe bet because there's still you know there's still pieces like you said it's not a total rebuild, but um, they certainly have some ground to make up. So uh, yeah, I like I like their odds. Um, and it's not in the, you know Chicago is going to be a very tough team. Yeah, I see Detroit coming around very soon. I like their team. I like uh, I like Willie Castro a lot, but <laughs> we'll get into them. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't think that – I think that Cleveland, if they play their game and you have – you still have solid showings from guys like Santana and so on and so forth, yeah, you can have a competitive ball club for sure. Santana's in Kansas City now. Oh, shit. <laughs> I mean, oh, shoot. Ah. See, I, I, I try to keep track of all these things, and oh man, hey, that one kind Sorry. of that one Sorry. kind of it, it's I all hate good. To pour salt, freaking wound. I mean, he got paid more than Cleveland was going to be able to afford, and as much as I love Carlos Santana, he's one of my favorite players over the past decade. He was really poor at the plate last year, and the year before really was seemed to be the outlier in, in terms of. Uh, career performance at the plate. He's still going to walk on base a whole bunch, but he, he didn't have a, a, a good year at the plate last year. And, you know, he's a, he's a first baseman slash DH. Um, 
Cleveland has several options at first base that at some point they need to figure out what they have in those players. Uh, and a year where they're doing what I'm going to refer to as a reset, not necessarily a bad time to do it. Uh, figure out what Bobby Bradley is, uh, explore Jake Bowers, uh, figure out where you want to have Josh Naylor at, if you want to put him at first or in the outfield. Um, but speaking of their outfield, their outfield's kind of a, let's call it an adventure. Because, uh, <laughs> you know, they have they have Naylor, uh, and Framio Reyes is a DH. After that, it's Daniel Johnson and uh, Oscar Mercado. And we don't know much about Daniel Johnson, and Oscar Mercado had about the complete opposite <laughs> of uh, performance at the plate this past season than he did the year before because he was just bad this year. But it was a regression was expected to happen with Mercado. So it's it's a year to explore their options, and so I, I guess I'm not going to fault them for not retaining Santana. Now Ramirez, um, you know, he's just you know he's a star. Yes. There's no question. Um, is uh, he the guy? Is he going to stick around? Is this the guy that they build around moving forward? Or, you know, like you said, are they going to look into guys? Like, you know, I like Mercado. I think he's got a very high upside. Um, I ho- I just hope, you know, trying to stay afloat while you're struggling as a young player, that's, mm-hmm. you know, one of the toughest things to do in sports. So um, you kind of hope he fights through it because I do yeah. like what he brings to the table. And last year was was kind of wonky with a whole bunch of things. So it, him struggling and him not being able to pick himself out of it is not entirely uh, surprising, I, just because of how strange last season was. But looking at Jose Ramirez, he is due to make nine million, a little over nine million this year. Then a twelve million dollar club option for twenty twenty two, fourteen million dollar club option for twenty twenty three. Then he's a free agent in 2024 at the age of 31. Now, not to have this conversation way too early, because I know this conversation is going to pop up sometime, probably during the next season, but they're going to entertain trading Jose Ramirez and might be best to do it prior to next season. So not this upcoming one. So prior to 2022. Yeah, I would assume so. Um, You know, as he... As those club options um, Cause get those, closer. Those aren't expensive. He's been a, in the top three of the MPV, MVP voting twice in the past couple seasons. And he's getting paid less than $10 million and just over it the next couple seasons. That's a steal. Yeah. He led the majors in, in, in F-War last year. <laughs> like, he, he was a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, a superstar. And uh, you have to really... I, that's kind of what I was getting at. Like, are they going to kind of keep uh, keep doing the same thing here and just keep on restocking and flipping over their value for, for, for quantity. And hopefully it's, you know, it's high-end quantity. But, you know, it's got to be tough. Like, fans of Cleveland, I, I was reading some of the comments today. Like, oh, they were you know, brutal. You're, you're, yeah, you're ripping, a, you're ripping a fan base's heart out right now. And, um I get it. Like seeing Ahmed Rosario and Andres Jimenez as the return, giving up your superstar, that's a, a tough pill to swallow. And we've been there. We're Mets fans. We, it, we've been here before. But, uh, yeah, that's a 
it's a tough one. It, you it, have to wonder whether they just rip off the Band-Aid and say, all right, you know what, Ramirez, we're going to get a large return for him. Let's just go go for it and trade him. And I think they'll entertain some sort of contract extension. Like, they're trying to entertain contract extensions with Lindor. But, I mean, some, depending on who you're talking to, some would argue that Ramirez is a better player than Lindor. And so, what's the figure that he's going to command compared to Lindor's? And so that's the what you got to figure out. And if there is a way for them to sign him to a, a contract extension, I would love it because he is my favorite player on the team. But at the same time, if the numbers are way out of what they can afford or what's reasonable, then I understand why they would entertain training, trading him or actually trading him. It's just the just the way that it operates. It's does it suck? Absolutely, but it's just how it is. Oh, it's very you know, it's gonna be a tough sell to the fan base. It's it always is. And uh you know, you, you hope that you know, there's gonna be pockets of fans who get it and say, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know what, this is inevitable, but there's gonna be pockets of fans who are gonna be very, very angry and uh you know, hopefully they get it down the line. And, you know, maybe it takes one of the guys in the return to really break out and go, and, oh, okay, oh, now I'm okay with it. But uh, it's it's just, it's a business. It's it's a very, very tough part of the business. But, yeah, I, I'd love to see him stick around. But I, if they're going through all this, you know, all these moves now, it's it's pretty much written on the wall, <laughs> at least you know from outside looking in. I mean, and all, all today was was just a, a complete rehash of people just you know yelling into uh, the Twitterverse of sell the team and Dolan's cheap. So it was just a complete rehash of all of that, which is uh, if you've ever uh, stumbled onto Cleveland baseball Twitter, it's you're no stranger to those phrases. And people... Hey, even in New York, we're not. We're, we're pretty used to those phrases too. You <laughs> <laughs> know, team Dolan sucks. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and it's, it's funny you're used to those phrases with a Dolan. Uh, <laughs> not just the not just the former owners of the Mets of sell the team. Um, oh yeah. Well, those are the Wilpons, and and it was a neck and neck race for for years. And who is the worst owner in New York? But uh, yeah. Dolan, so, Dolan holds, yeah, he holds the throne by himself now. Yeah, uh, so a lot of people unhappy, a lot of people venting frustration, which I understand. Vent your frustration, but I mean, you, if you haven't seen this coming for a couple of years now, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, if not only have there been trade rumors about Lindor for a couple of years, but they've literally done this with every superstar player for as long as I can remember. So are you just going to keep walking into the same door over and over again? I'm sorry. That's on you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess, (laughs) I mean, there's a template out there. They've done this every single time. It's not like this isn't the first time going back as far back as Bartolo Colon. Okay. They've been doing this. So Bartolo Colon traded, CC Sabathia traded, Cliff Lee traded, Victor Martinez traded. Yeah. 
couple of seasons um, with pitchers. Car- Carlos Baerga traded. Uh, <laughs> you know, they it really. This is kind of the way they operate. And it, it, it still it, hurts. It, it doesn't make it any easier. It, and that's that's true. It doesn't make it easier. It sucks. But it's not like it's a surprise. It, it's not like. It's it's not like, uh, you know, being here in Cleveland and finding out that, oh shit, the, you know, the when LeBron was here, the LeBron's uh, tra- the Cavs traded LeBron for seventeen draft picks and three players you've never heard of. It's it's not like that. It's not like, you know, the Browns trading away Joe Thomas when he played for the Browns, even though they had a chance to and almost did at one point. This is expected. Oh, so like, oh, it was. Like, for, for so for the most part, this is just kind of like, uh, you know, an inevitable happening. And it was kind of just, all right, when's the, when's the shoe going to drop? Yeah. And I mean, am I, am I sad he's gone? Absolutely. Did I expect it? Yes. Uh, people want to bitch and just say that, uh, you know, oh, Cleveland, just every other team's farm team. Uh, I'm sorry, are you new here? This, this, <laughs> <laughs> we've seen this play out for as long as I can remember. This should not be a surprise. It, yeah. But still, that's your star. There's, You know there's little kids in Cleveland today crying because Francisco Lindor's gone. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I would love for Frankie to play his entire career here and retire here. You know, I love Frankie. I have, like, this giant fake ticket thing on the wall of my office. I have a Lindor jersey up in my closet. So it's it's not like I'm not a Lindor fan. Let's, let's, make, let's make that very clear. But at the same time, I realize it's just how it is. I'm always going to yeah. love Lindor. But I realize at the same time, they were never going to be able to re-sign him. And they put out this convenience... Uh, this can this number conveniently leaked from uh, speaking of John Heyman earlier, John Heyman, that they weren't going to be able to extend Lindor, and they offered over two hundred million dollars, while he was apparently seeking over three hundred million dollars. So, someone who covers uh, someone from Cleveland, uh, Dennis Maniloff, uh responded, and I retweeted it, <clears throat> and said, "If you think the Cleveland team legitimately offered Lindor two hundred million dollars, uh, well, I don't know what to say. This is classic Cleveland baseball team dating to Shapiro, the ex post facto contract offer to try to appease the fan base. That's that's really what that was. Oh yeah, we're very familiar with that here. It's oh yeah, we, oh we offered player X, you know, just uh, we were the we were the second. We came in second on the uh, in, in the bidding and." Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just to kind of appease the fan base. Very familiar with that with that ploy. Yeah, and even if, and even the the Nationals from a couple years ago, Bryce Harper, where they offered him a large deal, but it had a whole bunch of money, a whole bunch of money just you know deferred into the future. Yeah, I think that's going to be the uh, kind of the, the way things go. Um, we're gonna, I think we're going to see a bunch of deferrals moving forward because you know owners all want to claim and i'm sure some teams i don't want to say they lost money but they didn't make as much money as they expected to Mm -hmm. uh you know some teams are really going to feel the crunch but i think other teams are kind of just playing this uh this poor house thing up a little bit but oh they they certainly are playing playing it up a little bit um 
I mean, especially teams like, you know, the Cubs. Like, Cubs, the Phillies. You're in Chicago. You're, like, one of the most popular teams in the country. You've been a popular team for a long time. You know, uh, the Phillies being in Philadelphia, you're in a major market. It, you know, something that, I, I know it's not quite the same, but uh, you're still able to sell merchandise during this off season when the season was paused. Still made money on that. Just saying. Oh, sure. <laughs> TV money coming in. Um, you know, you got your local regional sports network still bringing money in. Uh, the new TV contracts, that's getting divvied up between the teams. Like, I find it very hard to believe that, you know, gate receipts are putting these teams in the poorhouse or lack of gate receipts, mm-hmm. I should say. It just, it doesn't make, it doesn't add up. I, I think, at, I mean, you know, we'll never know because MLB is never going to open up the books, but yeah, uh, I, I can't see, you know, attendance or gate, whatever you want to call it, accounting for more than maybe what, 10, 15% of the pie, maybe. I just, I just don't see it, but I've been wrong before. So <laughs> it, it, it's possible that those, uh, that revenue covers, you know, the 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 day to day expenses that that keeps everything going inside the ballpark, while everything else covers the larger expenses such as player salaries, coaches' salaries, etc. And that's just something I've thought before, just to cover the the very smaller day to day expenses to keep everything running inside on game day. Yeah, but you have teams. Oh, we lost three hundred million dollars last year. Uh, you know, let's let's prove it because I that that doesn't, yeah. that doesn't add up in my mind. But yeah. again, I, I've always been a bit of a um, a bit of a skeptic when it comes to uh, professional sports ownership. It's just in our blood now. And I will say, in regards to to the Cubs, that they picked possibly uh, they had the absolute worst timing to launch their own network for this upcoming for this past season. You know, without... oh right, and they got. Bugshiambi though, right? Yeah, they got Bugshiambi, and so he should be good. He's uh, replacing uh, Len Casper, but uh, you know, not a great uh, timing-wise uh, for them to launch their own sports network and uh, have a sixty-game season, and the reviews on their network weren't necessarily all that great. And some some tooling and you know, just messing with it. I'm sure they'll do, but you know, from from that perspective, I'm sure that was sort of a revenue drain for them, or a financial drain, I should say. Yeah, you know, you're gonna roll out this big, beautiful, brand new TV station, and you roll out a, a shitty baseball team. It's kind of tough to um to get eyes on the screen after the first week or two. So, mm-hmm. you know, they, they'll come around. They're the Cubs. Yeah. And you know, what's his name? Um, uh. <laughs> I can't believe I it's at the tip of my tongue. Um Theo Epstein. Yeah. You know, he he, he kinda knew what was happening. He got out of there before uh before the, the stuff hit the fan. But like Jed Hoyer, um I think he's a decent baseball front office mind. And more than decent, better than decent. Um I'm curious to see kind of how they proceed after, you know, recouping some assets, trading off some players. You know, they let Schwarber just walk because they didn't want to pay him. Like, mm-hmm. these are bold moves. I'm very curious to see how this all uh, shakes out in, you know, let's say three three to five years. The same window that the Mets will win a World Series per Steve Cohen. Three mm-hmm. to five years. 
<laughs> so we'll, we'll wrap this up with one more Mets related thing. So with Steve Cohen buying the Mets being the, the number one moment of the off season is this should be easily number two, right? What Lindor? Yeah. Lindor and Carrasco. Yeah, this is uh this is might be a one A one B type situation. Oh, okay, right? that's Here. fair. Yeah, I mean it. It's not often that your team acquires a superstar, and we were having this discussion on Twitter today. Mm-hmm. So let's take it. We'll go back to like Mike Piazza in '98. That was a big, big pickup. Mm-hmm. Uh, trading for Santana. I think it trading for Carlos Delgado ahead of the two, two, uh, two excuse me, 2006 season. Mm-hmm. I think that that was the the move that put that team over the top. But um, getting picking up Cespedes in 2015, you know, it, it's these are moments that the fan base remembers. And yeah, Steve Cohen buying the team certainly allowed this to happen. But I think you know, looking back. I haven't seen the fan base this excited since Cohen. And before that, I can't even remember. The World Series, maybe. Imagine when so, they yeah. sign Lindor to the mega deal. Oh, you know, it's coming. I know Sandy, um, the Mets uh, president, Sandy Alderson, said on Thursday, um, they're not like, you know, rushing in to sign into an extension. They know their options here. Mm-hmm. Um, if they still go out and get Springer, that's when this is, you know, this fan base is going to blow up. Yeah. Because, I mean, again, they're an all-star team. So, yeah, maybe like a 1A, 1B, 1C type situation, depending on how this all works out. Mm-hmm.